Our scripture reading this morning is from John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. And I'll be reading from the New American Translation. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters through the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. But a stranger, they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of the strangers. This figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand those things where he said to them. Jesus therefore said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that you might have life and might have it abundantly. Will you pray with me, please? Dear Lord, we thank you for this beautiful day. And it is truly a day that the Lord has made and we rejoice in it. We are grateful for the recent rains that we received. And we know that you are merciful and will honor us again with more rain as you see our needs. January 1 of this year, we embarked on a new chapter in the life of First Methodist Church. To write this new chapter with success, it will be with our collective and individual actions in following your will and direction. You have given us scriptures to point us the way. We may look at two scriptures with simple messages to bring our new walk to you. In James 1, 27, this is pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. In Hebrews 13, 2, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by these some have entertained angels unaware. Father, give us vision and courage to recognize these and other opportunities and guide our steps as we seek your will, as we strive to serve you. Be with us now during the remainder of this service. We ask your continued blessings on Ryan and his family as they minister to us. 
In the name of Jesus Christ, we all pray. Amen. Thank you for downloading our podcast. Make sure to subscribe to get new ones every week. And don't forget to check out First Methodist Sweetwater's website and social media. Now, here is Pastor Ryan Strebeck. Uh, you know, one of the most humbling, I think, things that I do in beginning any sermon throughout the year is when I look back on the previous week and realize that I follow, I'm following someone who was a guest preacher that we had who came from our own congregation. And so this has happened with some of our students and some of you, and sometimes it's, I may be gone or out of town, but other times one of my favorite things when I get to be here when there's a guest preacher or when one of you preaches. And uh, it was especially humbling uh, to, to realize that I was following Morgan today. Uh, after uh, her work in John's Gospel last week, so I'm I'm very I'm feeling a little inadequate and a little uh, but very grateful uh, for God's faithfulness to speak to us uh, in all the different ways that He does. And so I thank you for being uh, someone who who walks alongside and, and we journey together to hear the Word of God and be formed by the Word of God, so that we're different people. Uh, along the way than we were yesterday and we were 10 years ago and we're different people than we were two weeks ago. And for that, I'm very grateful and uh, thankful uh, for God's faithfulness and for your faithfulness uh, as we do this work together. So today, uh, as we keep time in the old, old, old church calendar, which is just a fun way of keeping rhythm. Of course, we know we had Easter Sunday a few weeks ago. This is the fourth Sunday of Easter. I always remember the fourth Sunday of Easter because it's a very special day. For some reason, the early church decided that the fourth Sunday of Easter would be Good Shepherd Sunday. So we always have these texts before us like the 23rd Psalm, or in today's case, John 10. And it's just a chance to celebrate that Jesus, our resurrected Lord, the one who rules over heaven and earth, has been revealed to us. The metaphor that we hear so often in Scripture is he is our shepherd. Uh, we have this great stained glass window uh, that, that you may not be able to see from where you are, but if you turn around and you see that, it's one of my, probably my favorite architectural feature of our building, is this great image of Jesus uh, holding a, a lamb who's a little bit smaller, and there's just kind of this serene landscape, and everything, everything looks safe, everything looks secure, and uh, Jesus is obviously in control in the story that that artwork is telling. So today, on Good Shepherd Sunday, I just invite you to rejoice, to rejoice with me that our leader, our Lord, the one who uh, was there in creation, that all things were created in him and through him, and, and yet he condescended to walk among us and to be a shepherd who would lead us in the way that leads to life. And so we want to know what it's like uh, to know the character of God and the nature of God, this is one of the best ways that we can know this. And this is by recognizing, okay, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, right? I am, that's, that's who I am. That is my very nature. So we celebrate that today. Of course, Psalm 23, uh, we celebrate, we echo David's words so often, the Lord is my shepherd. And I invite you, as you consider the shepherdness of God today, uh, to just reaffirm your faith and belief in that particular statement, the Lord is my shepherd. 
The Lord is our shepherd. But just take ownership in that today. The Lord is my shepherd. He is the one who guides me. He is the one who calls me. Is the one who will ultimately lead me home and, uh, and leads me home this very day. And so we, we take such good comfort in that. I'm, I'm compelled uh, by this story so much. If I, if I were a non-Christian, this would, I think, be one of the most compelling things for me about Christianity, that, uh, that, that Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. That's how you can know me. That's how you can understand. That's a great metaphor because I know that I'm in constant need of rescue. I know I'm in constant need of someone gathering me up from all the places that I wander and pulling me back into the fold and, and keeping me in a, in a secure place. You know, the old hymn, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. And so take my heart, Lord, um, you know, seal it, seal it for your courts above. And that, that's the work of the shepherd. It's been the work of the shepherd of God all along. We think back not only to Psalm 23, but remember the great, it's a very scathing word in Ezekiel 34, where God has told the prophet to let the people know that, uh, especially the leaders of Israel, the, the people that were supposed to be shepherds or what we might call under shepherds, uh, and doing the work of God, taking care of the people, especially giving attention to the weak and seeking out those that have been lost. They need to be brought back home. And instead, these under shepherds, these leaders of God's people, were just sort of feeding themselves. They were just taking care of themselves, and they weren't taking care of the weaker members of the community. And so God was not happy about this. And he said, you know, there's no one out there who's searching for my lost sheep. And God was not happy with that. God is very passionate about his lost sheep. It's the one modification. If I could make a second window of the, our good shepherd window, I would make it where instead of Jesus' robes being all nice and tidy, he would look like he'd been on a chase for a, for a lost sheep. You know, if you've ever chased an animal uh, through the brush, uh, whether you're horseback or on a, a mule, like a, a motorized mule or an actual mule, or you're on foot, you will not come back with all your garments in, one, in, in where they should be. You know, your hat blew off, your, you, you lost a boot, you maybe lost this, your rope fell off. You, every, everything goes crazy when you're looking for the lost animals. And uh, that's, that's the nature of our God who's always looking for us. And so I take comfort today in God's commitment and God's ability to search for us, to rescue us. Uh, because we are so persistently in need of that rescue. And so we celebrate God's uh, meeting that need with his great willingness and ability to save us. It's also a great time to remember that for those of us in the church and those of us, we realize that we were not called to be part of God's family just so we could sort of sit around and say, yeah, we're part of God's family. Uh, when, we're, when we become part of God's family, we, we often say this, that all of the baptized members of the church are on mission. We're all missionaries. We all have the work of the church to do. Uh, God called and intends for every single person, every member of the body of Christ is on mission. We all have a unique role. We all have gifts that we share, and we all have work that we do Monday through Saturday uh, that we, we take the energy of, of God's love that we receive and celebrate together on Sunday, and we go out into the world, and we, our, our, our week is shaped by that. And so we realize that all of us who've been called to ministry in that way, uh, we are to, we should reflect in our leadership the nature of the good shepherd. Uh, we are shepherds who come behind Jesus and say, okay, that's the way that we're going to lead. Uh, God was upset because the leaders weren't leading in that way. And then later on, Jesus is upset because he says, you know, people that came before me that you should have been able to trust, 
that should have been telling you the good news of the gospel. Instead, uh, they, they were not doing their job. And they were thinking only of themselves. And so he was upset with that. So he said, all who came before me were thieves and robbers. And instead of serving you, they were trying to steal from you. Uh, they were trying to take things from you by virtue of not serving you and loving you. So it's very serious vocation that we have, but it's great to think, okay, that's the work that we do. We're all shepherds in some way as we love, we learn to love the sheep. We learn to love God's people for God's sake. You know, I always think that that's the best way that we love someone else is not just because, oh, we just like that person and they're a great person. And there's lots of great people we can love in the community that we already like, we already love, and goodness knows we all need to be loved and served. But there are some people in our community that we may not know that well or that need us you know, to, to be shepherds to them. And we don't even really know them well enough to have like this natural affection. So we love them for God's sake. It's sort of like if I don't know your children, but I only know you and you and I are really good friends. And we've known each other for a long, long time, but I've just never met your kids. But I'm going to love your kids for your sake because I'm going to know you and I'm going to say, gosh, I love those kids because they belong to my friends. And it's the same way when we love people for the sake of God, uh, we love people for the sake of the good shepherd is we love them because they're God's children, not because they're our children, you know? So, I mean, certainly pastors, that's part of our calling, but all ministry leaders, it's not my church. It's not our church. It's God's church. We are God's people. And the calling is to serve God's people. That's why when Jesus commissioned Peter, he said, feed my sheep. If you love me, then feed my children. If you love me, then feed my people. Feed my sheep. Uh, we, we've talked about this in our Bible study last week, in our Ephesians Bible study. Uh, several people were pointing out how in order to love others well, you have to love God and yourself in appropriate fashion. That, that has to be part of the mix or else we'll never be in a place where we can love others well. Or we'll, you know, we have a tendency to be uh, loving them in a way that where we kind of get tangled up and enmeshed. And if things go well, we're, we're okay. And if things don't go well, we're not okay. But in reality, you know, those other pieces come first. And then we serve uh, because we're free to serve. We're, we're serving as shepherds. And we, we get a little bit of the image of what this is, the greatness of this. Jesus contrasts what we're supposed to be. Uh, with the hired hand, you know, and it's the hired hand's a great character in this parable because the hired hand's not evil. The hired hand's not bad. The hired hand's just, just that. He's a hired hand. So he's checking his watch and he punches his clock. And when it comes five o'clock, he goes home. And so the wolf comes at six o'clock. The hired hand's not there. But that's not what he was hired for. So he's home. So it's no big deal. He sees the wolf coming and he's like, you know, I got places to be. I think I'll check out a little early today. I'm going to go on. I, I hired on for contract labor here. I didn't, you know, I didn't sign on to put my life at risk. And so you all know if you've, you've been around livestock, if you've ever taken care of anything, there are many times you get called out and you really can't plan your schedule around uh, what they're going to need. It's going to come at the times when you least expect it. And in the ancient Near East, you know, shepherd, it was common, you know, these holding pens they had all over uh, the, the countryside. And it was common to have your sheep kind of thrown in with other people's sheep. And they didn't have sheep dogs, you know, they didn't have whistles and, uh, or horses or all the different things. As some of you have raised sheep and you know about sheep, but they, they really depended on this call and response deal. It's like the, the shepherd knew the voice, I mean, excuse me, the sheep knew the voice of the shepherd. And so they could go in and say, okay, well, I've got five sheep in this pen with everybody else's sheep and I'm going to talk to them and they'll, um, they'll, they'll come to me. They'll know that it's me. They're not going to trust a stranger that just walks into the pen or climbs into the pen at night uh, to steal, uh, 
they're going to trust me. They're going to see me come through the gate and say, okay, it's time for us to move on. They're going to know my voice. So Jesus said, we're not like the hired hands. When the going gets tough, we lay down our lives. We make sure that the sheep have what they need to flourish, to have uh, good life. And so I think it's a very important detail in spiritual leadership that spiritual leadership is not for strangers. And it's really hard for us to lead people that we don't know. And it's very hard for us to be led by people that we don't know and trust. This is a very important piece of being led uh, by God's shepherd in this way. I love the heart of God. It just keeps coming out in this parable about I, Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not yet here, and I have to go get them also. And so that's, that's part of our work is finding those other sheep. I have to brag on some people that, ha that were called upon to be shepherds in our community this week. Uh, of course, we know we had a, a tragedy in, in our county, in Nolan County, this past Monday. And uh, in the wake of, of a tragedy like that, uh, there, are, there are so many things that are needed, but one of the greatest things that's needed is just people to really function like shepherds and be present to others in the midst of suffering. And we watched as some of our uh, law enforcement and first responders did that, so our teachers did that, other students did that, um, administrators did that, and we saw counselors do that uh, in a way that uh, really should make us all proud. The people that realize that this is the time that you show up and be present to people, you don't, um, you don't make, it think, make them think that, they, uh, that, that you need something from them, but you're just truly there uh, to be a calming and healing presence. Uh, as we know, crisis is not the time uh, to go in and try to answer all the questions, especially with easy answers. It's not the time to fix everything. It's just the time to mourn. It's the time to be present. It's the time to hold on to one another and invite this kind of healing. I thought of the, the Jewish practice, which has been around forever, of what, what they call sitting Shiva. If, if you have Jewish friends, you may know about this or heard about it, but the Shiva is just the word for seven in Hebrew. And there's a, this ancient practice where in a time of mourning that you would go sit with mourners for seven days, usually seven days after a burial. And it's really a time where you don't, there's not much talking. Uh, you don't go in and, and try to figure out what the game plan is going to be. It's just truly a time to be present in suffering and, and pain. And, and it's the, it takes the community being there. And maybe even the times that you can't be there, people will wear different clothing just to signify that I'm I'm present to those people that are grieving and suffering right now. And, and, and I think when you're in a small town and a small community in a county, uh, you really feel that. You feel the sense of which uh, we mourn together and we rejoice together. And so um, very, very proud of, of those, that, that, those of you that, that had an opportunity to do that. And, and we should be proud of those who, who did. And, and uh, not the kind of thing that you ever sign up for, but, uh, but it was, it was uh, people were, were well-loved. I want to finish today uh, by just the, really the, 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 the central kind of statement in this passage is right in the middle of the, of the paragraph. It's, it's John 10, 10. And it's such a great passage to, uh, you know, commit to memory or just to have with us. Uh, the, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full or have it abundantly. And it's really interesting because most of the time you hear this, this is a great uh, a TV preacher kind of megachurch trope for, they will always quote this passage when they want to talk about the devil, you know, 
And, uh, and it's not that the devil doesn't want to take things from you or that he doesn't want to steal things from us. And that's all fine and good. And the devil, other places, the metaphor is the devil is this roaring lion who seeks to devour us, Peter says. But in this passage, Jesus is not talking about the devil. He's talking about people that we should be able to trust as shepherds. And instead, they turn out to be thieves and robbers. That's why he said it three different times in verse 1, in verse 8, and again in verse 10. Those who came before me were thieves and robbers. So when he says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, he's talking about the people that came before him that should have known better, and they didn't serve well. Think about the Pharisees, the religious leaders in John 9, immediately preceding this, uh, this parable, and they treat the man who was born blind in a, in a hurtful way. You know, They don't see him as one of the lost sheep of Israel, but instead they're trying to drill down and get to the bottom of stuff, and they're missing the story. And they say, okay, well, gosh, you know, are you saying that we're blind too? And Jesus says, you, you not only are blind, but you say that you can see. And so your guilt remains. He's talking about people like that that say they know better, but in reality, they're living in a way that is preying on the people instead of serving the people. And so when people are spiritually blind and they've been called to be spiritual leaders, they can't see the needs of the sheep for the sake of God. They can only see themselves and their own needs and wants. And so their eyes are mostly on themselves. And unfortunately, we see this in the church, right? We see this in other organizations. And so we're just reminded we're always on the lookout. We, we should beware of people who are called to lead as shepherds and they don't lead in a way where we see them like Jesus laying down their lives. And we see that. We should not be afraid to call it what it is and to protect the sheep, to take care of the sheep. And so churches must be guardians of God's people. Churches must be guardians of safe spaces where people can flourish and grow up in the image of God and not worry about someone preying on them. And Jesus says, okay, so that's the, that's the, net. the, the thieves only, they only have one goal and that is to benefit from you. But Jesus says, the only goal that I have, my only intent is that you might have life. It's, you couldn't have a sharper contrast. One group only wants what's good for themselves and Jesus says, I have simply come that they may have life and have it abundantly. It's a beautiful contrast. This is why Jesus came. This is what happens in the resurrection life that we, we benefit from the very life that raised Jesus from the dead. Um, the uh, Greek language has a couple of words for life. And one word is where we get our word biology, and that is bios. And so it makes perfect sense. You see it there? Okay, biology. It's just the plant life, animal life, uh, all the life that we see around us, bios. Uh, there's another word, though, in Greek that's life, and that is zoe. So you may know somebody named Zoe. Uh, it's usually, uh, it usually comes from this Greek word, zoe. And it means this deep abiding life that is kind of at the soul level. It's like not only being alive and breathing through our lungs, but it's being alive in our soul and being connected to something divine, something that's greater than us. So Jesus says, I came that they may have zoe and have it to the full. They may have this full expression of life in the present and this kind of expression of life eternally in the future. Uh, John's so great at, at, at having Jesus say these things throughout his gospel in John 17. Now, this is eternal life. That, that you may know the one true God, that eternal life begins now. It lasts forever, but it begins today. And so Jesus wants whatever that resurrection life is, it starts in us now. And we carry that life within us. It changes us. 
It makes us different people. It, uh, we, our dispositions change. Our temperaments change. Our willingness to love and be in hard places changes. And uh, we see things that we didn't see before. And so we're on this constant journey of growing and responding to a life and a love that in some ways is not natural for us, but it changes us and it, and it gets our attention and it wakes us up. It's a beautiful thing. And so as we continue in the Easter season this year, uh, I invite you to take comfort in the Lord as our shepherd, uh, the one who leads and guides us. And also take uh, home with you today this reminder of our calling to be good shepherds in a world that is in, in vast, dire need of people to care for others in the way that Jesus did, uh, in a way that is not self-serving, but is laying down our lives that others may have life. And so as you do that, may you find joy this week and throughout this season in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mm-hmm.